You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. Hello and welcome to Terra Informa. I'm Liam Harrop. And I'm Kurt Blandy. We'll be your hosts for the next half hour of environmental news. The days are getting longer and warmer. Trees are starting to leaf out and migrating birds have returned. All of this can only mean one thing. It's patio season. Or at least normally it would be without COVID. Yes, yes, the patios are technically closed in Alberta for the time being, but that doesn't mean we can't drink a beer outside on our own porches, right? To celebrate the warming weather, Terranforma is doing a show about beer, or more specifically, beer and sustainability. Before we get too far into it though, we would like to begin this episode by acknowledging that Terra Informa is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM, a campus and community recording studio located in Edmonton, Alberta. We are situated on Treaty 6, the historic and present territory of Cree, Métis, Blackfoot, Denny, and many other first peoples that live and gather here. This week's episode focuses on sustainability and what we consume every day. These things that come from the land and the waters that surround us are often taken for granted. We want to encourage you to feel the sun on your skin, crack open a cold one, and remind yourself to always consider your connections to this land, your connection to those who were here before us, and your connections to those who will be here long after us. First, some history. Beer is an old drink, like really old. The earliest known alcoholic beverage is from roughly 9,000 years ago. It was a Chinese concoction made from rice, honey, and fruit. Beer came later, about 5,000 years ago. Archaeologists have found some ceramic vessels from that time period still sticky with beer residue. It is thought that the vessels belonged to the Sumerians of ancient Mesopotamia. The beer was a safe alternative to nearby rivers and canals, which were contaminated with animal poo. Ew! Do you know who else loved beer? the Egyptians. Workers along the Nile were often paid in beer. Everyone from pharaohs to peasants and even children drank beer as part of their everyday diet. Many of the Egyptian beers were flavored with unusual additives, at least for us anyway, like mandrake, dates, and olives. The origin for modern tasting beers, the ones we have today, didn't arrive until the Middle Ages, when Christian monks began brewing beer seasoned with hops. Fast forward several hundred years to today. Beer is one of the most popular drinks in the world. It's the third most consumed beverage after water and tea. However, the majority of beer in the world is controlled by a single company. Anheuser-Busch, based in Belgium, this brewer produces more than 600 different beer brands like Bud Light, Budweiser, Stella Artois, Corona, Classic Kokanee, Bex, Labatt, just to name a few. In 2017, the company had 27% of the global market sales for beer. That year, it made more than $50 billion in gross revenue. While beer is widely consumed, it isn't as popular as it used to be. Each year, the fermented drink is consumed less and less. For example, per capita beer consumption in Canada decreased from 79.3 liters per year in 2015 to 69.3 liters by 2020. Why? Well, beer drinking has gone down, 
popularity in other beverages like spiked seltzer, which is the white claws that's so popular nowadays, canned wine and pre-made cocktails has soared. There's more selection today than there ever used to be when it comes to alcoholic beverages. Okay, I do have one thing to confess. I am one of those people choosing other drinks to beer. Yes, I'm one of those. I like beer, but I am really addicted to sugar. So it's really hard to say no to a hard root beer or cider. I know it's a little bit strange to be doing an episode on beer when I'm not its biggest fan, but I still really like it. In fact, I'm having a beer right now. Well, I'm not. I'm having a twisted pee because I tried to drink all the beer in Canada yesterday. I am trying a new beer, which I have to admit, I've never had one so early in the morning before. Here in BC, it's just after 10, but it is a passion fruit lime sour by Fieldhouse, which I just learned is from Chilliwack. But I really like uh, sour beers. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of sour things, so that's why I got this passion fruit lime sour. And it's 6%, which I'm a big fan of higher percentage beers. <laughs> I don't know why. It's, uh, it's when you're living on a budget, you know? You gotta take that into consideration. Also, I used to live with a master beer brewer, and he agreed with me to go for the higher percentage alcohol beers because they tend to have more flavor. So that's why I tell people I get the higher alcohol percentage. Not only is it a better bang for your buck, but more flavor. I love sour beers too, like as soon as the the weather starts to get a little bit nice and it feels a bit more like summer here in Edmonton. It's like, all I want is sours. And yeah. uh, Blind Enthusiasm is a brewery here and they have this building called Monolith, but it's this big cement square. That's why it's called Monolith. But inside they have um, like open pit fermentation of sours and everything they do is like so good. It does sound really good. It, they're becoming quite trendy sour beers, actually, or so it so it seems. Like my roommate, like the beer master, he says it'll be the next IPA trend, which I like because I'm not a big fan of IPAs. They're too much like spruce bush. To me, it's like eating a tree. And so <laughs> I'm just not a big fan of IPAs, but a lot of people like them. Okay, that's enough chit chat. Time to talk about the environment, at least when it comes to beer. Turns out this major industry isn't always the most green. Just below 1% of global greenhouse gases are produced through making beer, either from growing grain for fermentation to water and packing materials. Did you know that it takes seven barrels of water to produce just one barrel of beer? Not only that, but it appears the beer making process is not immune to climate change. For instance, hops are a sensitive crop, easily impacted by changes to its growing season. One study predicts hop yield in the Czech Republic will decrease by almost 10% by 2050. The country is one of the main global suppliers of hops. Future water scarcity problems in Canada are expected to reduce the quantity and quality of barley, one of the main grains used to make beer in Canada. However, lots of beer manufacturers have started to embrace sustainability or more greener methods. For this episode, we talked to Bose, a brewery in Ontario, which claims to have produced Canada's most sustainable beer called Local Organic. I had a chance to chat to their CEO, Steve Bouchain, who started the company. Here are some clips from him describing why he thinks Local Organic is the most sustainable beer in the country. Uh, it is um, 
uh, certified organic. It uses 100% uh, local hops sourced from uh, two farms in Ontario, and it also uh, uses 100% local Quebec malt because uh, we're right on the border between Ontario and Quebec. And uh, and so it's 100% local ingredients. It's a it's certified organic. And it's also now the uh, first beer, I believe, to be uh, certified as carbon neutral. Uh, we worked with uh, uh, Carbon Zero uh, to do a full life cycle analysis on the beer to, to fully capture all of the, uh, the carbon that, that is uh, produced throughout the entire process. And, uh, and then we, we worked with them on projects to, uh, to offset those, uh, those carbon outputs. Why is like sustainability important to you? Well, it's, it seems like such an obvious question. Um, and, and to me, I, I kind of have to scratch my head uh, to think that any human living on planet Earth wouldn't have sustainability as a, <laughs> as a very important topic for, for, for their own self, self-preservation. But, um, as, as a business, I mean, there's, there's lots of obvious business reasons to do it. And I think the, the, the most obvious one when you're making beer is that we rely on, uh, ingredients that are grown on planet Earth to, to make our beer. And if, if we're not doing it in a sustainable way, then like our, our job just gets harder every year. So, um, so th- there's, there's kind of the, the self-serving we want clean water to brew with. We want great ingredients uh, to work with, and and we see ourselves as as, as part of a system uh, where if we abuse uh, if we're abusing the planet, the planet's going to provide us with less uh, less tasty ingredients to work with. You know, for for us, it's really about um, believing that business can be more than just a, a you know, uh, a profit, uh, a profit motive. It, it can actually, not only that it can be, that it, it needs to be, uh, something that provides, provides for the community it serves. And like how, like, how green is the beer industry in general? Well, uh, it's interesting because the beer industry is uh, so old, um, it comes by sustainability kind of from an old mentality kind of viewpoint. Um, businesses used to be sustainable because of how difficult it was to source things. Um, and so there's, there's lots of things that are kind of just part of the, the way beer's always been made that kind of relies on, on that, that, that sustainability from a, from more of a, a, a thought process around, you know, it's hard to get water, it's hard to get hops, and and it's it's labor intensive, so we better better be be using these things wisely. Um, but over time, the uh, the more industrialized version of of brewing has kind of, you know, uh, taken some of those things that are naturally part of of sustainability kind of kind of mess mess them a little bit. Um, in other areas, um, for whatever reason, breweries seem to have always 
always gravitated towards sustainability initiatives. So I, I feel like the industry on the whole is is a very sustainably minded one. Um, but that being said, uh, there's always room for improvement, and there's always there's always an opportunity to get better. Again, if you go back to you know several hundred years, the reason why we call a pilsner a pilsner is because in the town of Pilsen, um, they developed a new way of, of malting grain, and the way they malted the grain really worked with the local water source they had there. And then, you know, in the town of Lipzig, they had really salty water, so Gosa's kind of got invented there. Um, every single historical uh, beer is really related to the place it was invented. But nowadays, brewer, nowadays, brewers typically, if they want a beer to taste like a British IPA, they can make their water taste exactly like Burton on Trent. They can source hops from all over the world. They can source grains from all over the world. And so brewers now start with the concept of what they want the beer to taste like, and then they scour the globe for the exact right ingredients to, to do that. And creating this beer, really had us go back in time because um, uh, where we're located, eastern Ontario, uh, there's there really isn't a lot of hops that grow well in this region. So we had a very narrow set of hops that we knew we could work with and, and would work well. There's uh, really only, you know, one or two maltsters that can actually do certified organic and there's only certain grain varieties that grow well in Quebec. So we kind of went the reverse where we said, these are the ingredients that we have. What's the best way to make, make them work well in a beer? And we actually had to change our approach about three or four times because we weren't, we weren't loving the results. And what we ended up with is a, uh, it's a fairly uh, hop-forward pale ale. Um, not super high alcohol, it's only 4%, but it's got tons of flavor. Um, the malts from Quebec are adding um, kind of a light spiciness that almost to me has a, a almost a coriander kind of kind of flavor to it. Um, the hops are, are kind of the, the Cascade Chinook, so they have that, that kind of, um, you know, authentic, uh, almost an old school kind of IPA kind of, uh, aroma and flavor to them. And, mm-hmm. and the beer itself has, has just a quality that is truly unique to, to the area. And, um, we could not have created this beer, we would not have created this beer had we gone about it the normal way where we said, well, let's, let's make this style of beer. Instead, it was about taking the ingredients we had and finding the best way to use them to make a really interesting interesting beer. And, and that, um, to me, it makes the project more fun. It also makes the, uh, the beer that much more exciting to try because you're really trying something that is of a place. Yeah, that's, that's cool that because it really sounds like the beer tastes like where you're located. Exactly. If you want to know what eastern Ontario and western Quebec taste like, 
they taste like our local organic beer. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to try that beer. I actually tried in Edmonton to find it, but it turns out that Ontario to Alberta beer doesn't really happen that often. We should do a road trip to Ontario after this pandemic, Liam. Yeah, I would love to. In fact, I'd love to do any traveling after this. Road trip would be amazing. You're listening to Terra Informa. In this episode, we are exploring beer and sustainability. To summarize so far, we've gone through a brief history of the beverage, its impact on the environment, and future threats like climate change on the industry. We've also chatted with Bose Brewing and why sustainability is important to them. In particular, we focused on one of their newest beers, Local Organic, which they claim is the most sustainable and green beer in the country. Now, let's get back to the episode. Bose is actually involved with starting the first craft brewery in Rwanda. The brewery is entirely owned by local women using local ingredients and traditional brewing methods. Here's CEO Steve Bouchain again talking about it with me. One of the first things we identified is that for the project to maximize its social impact, it needed to maximize local ingredients. And uh, Rwanda's uh, its climate's not suitable for hops, and uh, and it's not really got any malting facilities either. So, uh, or at least for for typical barley. Um, so we immediately started working on using sorghum and cassava, and uh, we actually through the process discovered a um, indigenous. Uh, I don't know if you call it a wine or a beer, but it's actually it's, it's fermented banana. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of the recipes are using um, everything from banana and sorghum, uh, some uh, locally grown ginger, uh, some really, really cool, cool beers coming out of uh, that project. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Like, I can't, it's hard to, for me to imagine what, a banana beer tastes like. <laughs> it tastes oh, like banana bread. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's interesting. They've got something like 30 different varieties of bananas that grow in Rwanda. Oh, wow. And this is a variety that, uh, that they use exclusively for alcohol production. And uh, we were really fortunate. We were able to go into, uh, into a community where actually, like, they harvested the bananas and, and we, we made traditional banana beer you know, kind of rolling it in, in grass and, and kind of extracting the, the juices and uh, just an incredible experience. The, the look of the product is, is a little bit jarring, <laughs> to say the least. Um, it, it's, you know, it's kind of a gray, almost concrete-looking mixture. <laughs> the way it's consumed is really cool. It's, it's a very social social ritual uh, where you kind of, you've got a big clay pot and you all sit around it with these long straws drinking out of it. And it's just, it's really cool. And, and, and the taste is great. It's, you know, you kind of have to get past your North American expectations of, of what beer looks like. But, but when, when you can, you know, kind of accept that, 
you know, the North American version of beer is not the only thing that exists, then, uh, um, you know, you, you can really, really enjoy that. Uh, I, again, I don't know whether to call it a beer or a wine, but the Kinra London translation usually translates it to wine, but it's basically fermented banana product. <laughs> it, I mean, it also sounds like it's it's sustainable as well, or more sustainable than other beers, perhaps? Oh, like when you talk about sustainability, um, we're doing the best that we can at, at Bose to, to be sustainable, and, and we're using carbon offsets to kind of get past the things that we can't get past, but, but nothing compares to something that, you know, you, you harvest the ingredients, you ferment it on site, and you consume it out of the same clay pot that you use every single time. You know, for, for us, it's like, um, the, the biggest carbon emissions that we have to offset come from the can. Uh, but there's carbon emissions involved in, you know, getting the can to the store. There's carbon emissions in, you know, keeping the can cold in a fridge. There's, there's so many carbon emissions that you know, the only thing we can do is, you know, plant trees and, and things like that to kind of offset the, the emissions that are going into it. Mm-hmm. When you when you want to talk about sustainability, um, you know, what <laughs> you don't you don't get better than uh, you know, kind of making the product on site, consuming it on site. Never mind road trip to Ontario. I want to go to Rwanda. Banana beer? That sounds so cool. Bose is doing some pretty cool things. They sure are, but I believe you researched some other innovative breweries too, hey? I sure did. Village Brewery in Calgary. They have a beer made from treated wastewater. It's called Village Blonde, and they did a run of it in 2020. The point of the beer is to demonstrate how treated water can address water scarcity. Like, if we can make good beer from poo water, then what can't we do? Here's a clip of Christine O'Grady from U Calgary's Advancing Canadian Water Assets and Jeremy McLaughlin, head brewer of Village Brewery, with a bit about their collaboration to make wastewater beer. Well, it started almost uh, as a small joke around a boardroom in terms of, yes, we can, why can't we? And we approached Village and they're so progressive and cool that they, they really wanted to be part of this story. So we uh, started breaking it down and, and, and made it happen. This project was making beer out of treated wastewater. We're always interested in doing new projects with new people and the aqua collaboration seemed like a natural fit and it was an interesting challenge to be honest like to to be able to take water directly from the sewer system essentially and recondition it to be made into a beer was very challenging. With Alberta Health Services worked on a water quality plan that ensured that all the technology that we used to treat this water was running optimally, um, then uh, secondarily we had to go through a process of um, demonstrating uh, pathogen log reductions. In addition, we then uh, followed up with Canadian drinking water guideline testing. Despite the fact we tested for over 80 parameters to determine that this water is potable, uh, there's still a mental hurdle to get over of, of how inherently gross this could be. The yuck factor associated with using wastewater is real. Um, it's not necessarily justified by science, but it, it is actually, you know, real and, and the perception is, is, is legitimate. It really is more of a, of a mindset than a, than a reality. 
I just, I mean, I really don't know about that. I like the idea and I would be really tempted to try it, but I would be slightly horrified as well at the same time. There's a yuck factor there that I don't know if I'd be able to get over, but it's a, it's a pretty cool idea. So maybe if the beer tastes amazing, as it probably does, I, I would be able to get over it, but I'll have to keep my eye out for it in the store. There's, um, there's also another beer made by Bagby Brewing here in Revelstoke, which is where I live. And that beer is made from expired grocery store bread. The brewery teamed up with the food bank to use items that were destined for the landfill and instead turned them into a nail. They no longer make it because it was an experimental beer, but I tried it at the time and it was really, really good. You could get it with a paired menu that was also featured around bread. Uh, it was actually my favorite beer that the company ever made. It was sweeter, which is probably why I really liked it because I'm a sugar addict. And it had this Belgian beer quality, which I don't really know how to describe like Belgian beers other than they have like, they're sweeter, I think, at least that's what I think they are. Have a rich, deep flavor, kind of malty. Since it was an experimental beer, they no longer make it but it really was an innovative way to deal with food waste. And it really showed how creative you can get with beer. The beer industry in general is pretty exciting now when it comes to sustainability. And with craft breweries continuing to pop up, it will probably keep being a place of innovation. And well, I'll cheers to that. And that's all the time we have for this week. Thanks for listening. I've been Kurt Blandy. And I'm Liam Harrop. Terra Informa is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM, and all our content is created by a team of volunteers. This episode was written by me, Liam Harrop, and produced by Kurt Blandy. You can reach us for comments or questions via email at terra at cjsr.com or message us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Our handle is at Terra Informa. For previous episodes, check out our website, terrainforma.ca. Now that we're done talking about everything beer related, here's a song by a local Edmonton band about beer. This is Beer Tastes Better When the Work's All Done by the Denim Daddies. We'll catch you next week right here on Terra Informa.
Adam.